The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the place for amazing pin collectibles with over 200 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code good on your next order at fansets.com just for discovering Trek listeners. Fansets. Our pins have character. A burn revelation, an empress in need, and a brotherly reunion gone bad, then good again. Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery continues to take us literally where no Star Trek show has gone before. Last week, we returned to a familiar planet as Michael looked for crucial burn data. But this week, what will happen when the dreaded Emerald Chain and its leader, Osira, sets their sights on Book's home planet? Well, let's find out. Welcome aboard, everyone. My name is Dan Davidson, and we are Discovering Trek. Hit it, then! Welcome, one and all, to Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe companion presented by Fansets. Last week, the crew of the Discovery visited what was once Vulcan, and Michael was reunited with her mother. The crew obtained crucial burn data, and the Discovery welcomed a new number one. But there's no rest for the weary as the ship and crew have to head to Book's home planet to prevent the Emerald Chain and its brutal leader, Osira, from wrecking havoc as he wrestles quite literally with his estranged brother, Kaim, after 15 years of not speaking. As always, this is the premier podcast for the most in-depth discussion and analysis about the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery entitled The Sanctuary. And if things weren't bad enough for the crew, Philippa Giorgio is in great danger, but that doesn't stop her from being a super pain in the ass. And here to help me break it all down, as he does every single week, is a very special friend in person, some may say that we are brother brothers, much like Book and Kaim, but would we be able to chat to sea locusts and get them to go back to the ocean, or would we just say the heck with it and go to the closest bar for a drink? Uh, as always, he's my very special friend, my brother in Trek, and my amazing number one. He is Bill Smith, and uh, Bill, uh, bottoms up, my friend. Indeed. Good to be here, buddy. I'm curious how you drew the segue from Philippa Giorgio being a super pain in the ass to me. We'll have to talk about that offline. It is as it is, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it est quid est, as they oh, say nice, in Latin. Nicely done. It is what it is. I know. It's. I know a, a lot of things uh, are, are very small amounts of lots of things. <laughs> the other thing I know, Dan, is we are being joined today by the lovely and talented Casey Shafsky, who joins us yet again on Discovering Trek, subbing for Sarah this week. Casey, welcome back, my brother. Hey, gents. Nice to be with you, Bill and uh, Anne. Anyway, um, it, yeah, it, it, I, I was I was uh, happy to hear that you were filling in. Um, so we'll just leave it at that and and see what happens with this great discussion. Discussion. It's going to be a good discussion, no matter what, because you know Star Trek Discovery. Um, but as always, uh, Bill and Casey, we want to always hear from our listeners about their thoughts on everything Star Trek Discovery. Uh, so, Bill, how can they get in touch with us for their thoughts on the Sanctuary? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Well, if you're looking to get in touch with us, there are a bunch of ways you can let us know what you think. Of course, you can go to trekgeeks.com slash contact, and you can find a variety of ways to get us your thoughts there. And of course, on Twitter and Facebook, all you have to do is search for Discovering Trek. We welcome all of your questions and comments. You can leave us a voicemail by visiting our website at trekgeeks.com and clicking on the giant blue button on the right-hand side. Please remember, though, that any comments you leave us could be used in a future episode of Discovering Trek, Dan. Thanks, Bill. Black Alert. Black Alert. From here on in, this episode of Discovering Trek contains spoilers. So if you haven't watched Episode 8 of Star Trek Discovery Season 3, stop listening right now. Head on over to CBS All Access or wherever you watch Discovery. Watch the latest episode, then head back on over to Discovering Trek. Failure to do that puts you at risk to find out plot developments and character details for The Sanctuary. Episode 307 of Star Trek Discovery, The Sanctuary, is written by Kenneth Lynn and Brandon Schultz and is directed by the number one, number one of all the numbered number ones, Jonathan Frakes. Uh, 
Burnham and the USS Discovery crew travel to Book's home planet to help rescue it from Osira, the formidable leader of the Emerald Chain. Meanwhile, Stamets and Adira continue their search for valuable information on the origin of the burn. Originally released on December 3rd, 2020, it is the eighth episode of Star Trek Discovery's third season. Trainees, to the briefing room. Gentlemen, as we gather in the briefing room this, to uh, start our discussion on this week's episode, let's get some high-level thoughts. Uh, was it a thumbs up? Was it a thumbs down? I promise for the rest of the episode, I will say Osira correctly, because I know I didn't the first couple of times, but <laughs> it's me. It happens. I can't speak good. Um, for me, guys, I'm going to start off uh, first thumbs down of the season for me. I got to say, um, I really just didn't like this episode. I haven't given a thumbs down for just any episode of Discovery in a long time, but there were just too many things I didn't like in this episode, even though I did like some things. Um, so sorry for everyone who's looking for a clean uh, 16-0 and 0 record or what, however many episodes are going to be this season. Casey, what do you say? Oh, uh, I concur. This was a thumbs down. This episode was tonally all over the place for me, and it just kind of made me seasick. Bill? Uh, regrettably, I'm going to have to round out the cycle and give it a thumbs down as well. You know, there are some great developments in this episode, but overall, it's a meh for me. It's not bad by any means. It's just not at the same level as some of the other episodes of this season. And I kind of liken it to some of the filler episodes we used to see in TNG or Voyager. It's mm. it's a decent enough script. It, it's There's not enough there for the A story to be the A story, though, at least not to keep you for the whole hour. So uh, it's a thumbs down for me. I think that's a great point. So three thumbs down. I think that's the first time that's ever happened on uh, Discovering Trek. Um, But you bring up a good point. There are some good parts of this episode, but I think all Mm -hmm. in all, if you take it all in one package, there just wasn't enough to keep me excited and really involved in the episode. And, And with Jonathan Frakes directing it even with his genius, and he did was a genius in this direction. It just didn't do enough for me, Bill. Well, you know, it's, it's rough because as a 13 episode season, you want every episode to hit because every episode is super important in the larger season arc in TNG and DS nine and Voyager. They could take some of these one-off stories and do them the way they wanted to, especially if they needed something to fill a week. Um, you just don't have that luxury with discovery. I'm not, again, I'm not saying this episode is terrible. It's not terrible. It's just not a thumbs up by any means. Right, absolutely. And as we always say, we have complete faith in the writer's room of Star Trek Discovery. We love everything they do. Unfortunately, nobody bats a thousand. It just doesn't happen. And like you said, it wasn't a horrible episode, but there I don't think, at least for me, there was enough to really give me an, oh my God, this was a great episode, thumbs up, can't wait to watch it again type of thing. So, But we'll get into all kinds of topics of, of the whys and, and the why nots. And the first thing I do want to bring up are some of the things that I did actually like in the episode. And the first one, Casey, we'll start with you, is we kind of get a burn origin finally, and we have some more interesting information regarding that that music that everybody seems to know but has no idea where it comes from. Yeah, I hear you. This see this was part of the mixed bag of the episode for me is I really enjoyed the storyline where we're figuring out oh hey, that's a federation signal that's coming through. Love that. Um nice mystery there. What's the who? What is the ship in there? What's going on? Uh, the music thing, though, man, if that threw me straight to reboot Battlestar, and uh, I, I, I couldn't, and I haven't been able to let go of that so far with that music connection. Um, I'm hoping that the mystery is solved of what ship is is causing this distress signal and what implications came from that and why it was being hidden purposely we might talk about that in um long range scans just saying oh we talk about mine but we'll get to that later um as a science fiction fan as i am i am embarrassed to say that i have not watched the battlestar galactica reboot so i have no idea what you're talking about but i have the discs and i want to watch them i just haven't gotten around to it so anyway 
All right. Be that as it may. Um, I will say that I found it very interesting, and I was flashing back to Star Trek Four when they were doing the music thing to get it so that it was to a sound that we could recognize. Uh, like, they did the same thing with the signal from the probe for the whales, Bill. But what did you think? I thought this was a very strong part of the episode um, with that burn data and the music. What did you think? I did, too. I, in fact, I felt like I could have tacked that part of the scene onto last week's and we really wouldn't have lost any ground. Um, they could have reworked this episode entirely to focus on that particular mystery and not necessarily the, the a story of books planet, but uh, what's done is done. And I, I'm look forward to what they're trying to build off of. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm curious as to the music itself. I don't recognize it immediately as anything no. that, that I would know from another piece of Star Trek or from something from, you know, uh, somewhere here on earth in the present day. But um, clearly it's pervasive enough and it makes me wonder how everybody knows it. It will be very interesting because different species from different parts of the galaxy all have that music in their head somewhere. It'll be very cool mm-hmm. to see what happens. I'm looking forward to see what that, what, where that comes from. It reminds me of the TNG episode, The Survivors, you know, where the Dowd, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, life form essentially oh. laid waste to an entire race. Um, because he was, he was grieving and the music he put in Deanna Troy's head. It makes me wonder if it could be a situation like that, for instance. Very interesting. You never know. They, they can always throw a curveball that we weren't expecting. So it'll be interesting. And I think we're going to get more information about that sooner rather than later. That's just my, my overall thought. Um, another aspect of the episode that really worked for me was Tilly. Um, Mm -hmm. we questioned not that we didn't think it was a good decision, but we questioned the fact that she became first officer because she was only an ensign. She self-admitted that, hey, I'm only an ensign. Is this really a good idea? We loved the idea. I want to make that very clear. Um, uh, Sarah talked about how that was her favorite part of the episode last week. And we do like the fact that Tilly has now become the executive uh, officer, but it did raise questions, as it should in any type of uh, military chain of command. But so far, I think she's doing kind of a good job. Um, Detmer going rogue, her idea to have her do that, I thought was a good example of her taking control of a situation um, and helping out Saru when they were kind of at a point where they weren't exactly sure what to do next, Bill. She did. She actually kind of burned him to the situation, if you will. Um, I think she took a page out of Michael's book and said, what would Michael Burnham do? And then just instead of doing it without telling Saru, she suggested it as an option. And it was a pretty damn good option, to be honest. And it helped not only the situation with Discovery, uh, Casey, it also helped with Detmer because obviously Mm -hmm. it was something she really needed, especially when she decided to go manual in bookship and just was having a blast doing it. I think it's that push she needed on that track to getting back to normal because we know that she's been suffering for a few weeks. Oh, absolutely. This this was a, hey, we completely trust you. You're the only one we think can do this. You have the talent. Go do it. And, I mean, with Detmer getting full Top Gun-ish there and just the amount of bravado and, like, okay, that character... I think is back and that was the just swift kick that that character needed and proven once again just what a badass pilot she is yeah she, she really is uh the other thing bill that i want to bring up with tilly is is in an episode that didn't really have a lot of room for humor the few <laughs> parts where there was humor was awesome and of I'm talking specifically about Saru and Tilly working on a catchphrase for the captain, uh, whether it was hit it or hit it uh, or execute or, or manifest, manifest, carry on all of these things. Every time one of those phrases came up, even in a situation where things were pretty serious, it made me laugh. And I thought that was another thing that Tilly brought to the table where we might not have seen that with another first officer. No, exactly. It's uh, Tilly's really the only character we can see that with. It's not going to happen with Nilsson. You know, it, it's it's not going to happen with, with well, it might happen with Jet Reno, but um, it's not going to happen really <laughs> with any others. And it was it was a really nice way to, to sort of downshift before some of those more tense moments, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The, the other thing that I wanted to talk about um, that I really enjoyed about this episode, before I get into some of the things that weren't really my favorite parts, and you can uh, let me know if you agree or disagree, is Adira's coming out. 
we've been talking all season about the fact that she's being ref- that 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 uh, the character of Adira is a she right now because um, Blue wanted to have the same type of coming out that they had in real life. So we finally get that happening this week. And I got to say, those scenes with Stamets and Adira or Stamets and, and Culber, or all three of them, were really my favorite parts of the episode this week because it was such a, oh, okay, that's great. No problem. They were able to not even miss a beat with the pronoun changes as soon as Adira brought it up to Stamets. And I really think that that's one of the things that that the writers of Discovery are really taking close to the to themselves to their hearts and bringing it across so that everybody in all of the different communities uh, in the world can appreciate what they are doing for the trans uh, for the transgender community and for the non-binary community here at, uh, for Adira, Bill. Oh, without a doubt, it's it's the scenes that saves this episode from being a total thumbs down, quite frankly. Right. It's these small moments, which are so impactful in the scope of Star Trek, in the scope of society, um, that, that really elevate this episode to a slightly different place. Um, if, if you don't mind, I have some feedback that we got from a listener that I'd like to read. Uh, it's from our listener, Jay. First, they tweeted us and said, oh, I really wish I could be on Discovering Trek to talk about this. And I said, hey, why don't you send us a message? And Jay did just that. And this is what they wrote. My name is Jay, pronouns they, them. The latest episode of Discovery will always be special to me because of the scenes with Adira, Stamets, and Culber. The first scene, I could see the whole conversation Adira was having in their head. I'm getting so tired of being called she, but how do I tell people? Maybe Paul will understand since he understood about Gray, but this isn't the same. Well, I've got to tell someone. And then they steal themselves to tell Stamets, afraid to meet his gaze for too long, afraid to be looked at like they have an extra head or something. I love Stamets' reaction. Started with a look of confusion, then transitioned to a look of simple curiosity and then to pure acceptance. His simple, okay, and Adira's surprise at that made me cry. If that wasn't enough, the scene later where Culber and Stamets are just using they and them pronouns for Adira like it was nothing special. To see that level of acceptance made me cry again. And the acting from Blue, Anthony, and Wilson was beyond exceptional. And I could see the realness of Blue's performance, especially knowing now that these were shot about the same time they were coming out to their family. It also helps knowing that Wilson and Anthony have supported Blue and Ian so much in this show. Why do I care? Well, I've had that conversation almost exactly a few times. From my friends, I've gotten the okay reaction. From others, things have gotten weird. I even got the, well, we'll have to agree to disagree about the whole non-binary thing once. But to see Stamets so easily accept this new information about his new friend, and then Stamets and Culber have a conversation about Adira so easily using they pronouns, it made me cry for how I wish everyone could accept people. I haven't even told my dad or brother about being non-binary as I don't think they would accept it as they are both against the very idea of trans people or even different pronouns. This episode is important in so many ways. It gives an example of how this information should be accepted. It shows that Star Trek sees me, that the world can see me as I am, as I want to be seen. It shows that I shouldn't have to expect to argue over how I describe my own existence and I can indeed be loved. Jay, thank you so much for that that incredible message. We know the writers of Star Trek Discovery listen on occasion, and we know that they, along with us, are grateful for your words. Uh, Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. I definitely echo uh, what Bill just said, Jay. It's an amazingly emotional message. I really appreciate it. And I got to say, I may do it now, uh, and I apologize in advance if I do accidentally use the wrong pronoun with the character of Adira going forward. Um, it's something that uh, I, have a, I have a trans son who I am extremely proud of, but there are times when uh, after 18 years that every once in a while I still slip and use the wrong pronoun. It is not done in any way, shape, or form to be um, disrespectful, um, and I hope I don't do it going forward with Adira, as I'm sure, Casey, you and Bill, I'm sure, same way. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Yeah. That whole scene, rewatching that scene, I go, I had wished this was the A story part of the episode, a much bigger portion of this. Yeah. Because when watching that scene, look at it again, because Samets and Adira, they are not alone 
in that room. So Adira is a lot more uh, courageous than I think the character Adira realizes that they are. Um, there's at least two other people in there, and they're, they're, people aren't whispering. They're just having a, a straightforward conversation. And that's, that's part of what, you know, bummed me out about certain other parts of this episode. It was like, wow, that, that was an opportunity there that I think was missed. For me, I think that because it was kind of a little bit off to the side, made it more important because of the reaction that Paul, uh, that, that Stamets gave Adira. I really thought it was great because as Jay said in his message, you know, not really being able to look up and say a complete sentence without mm. looking down and just for his total acceptance, acceptance of it really made the moment special. And I'm glad that they didn't let it linger. I thought that because it was a, a small moment, and even though there were a couple scenes throughout the episode dealing with that, I really thought it worked, Bill. I'm going to make a slight correction because you did this haphazardly and didn't mean to, uh, as Jay said in their message. There, thank you. See, it, it just, yep. it's just, uh, it, I, I do apologize. Thank you so much. Um, just great moments uh, of this episode, and I really think that this relationship between Stamets and Adira is going to be a very special one, and I look forward to seeing mm-hmm. that continual growth along with mm-hmm. Culver. I think Culver is going to be very much involved in in the relationship, and they're going to have a very special kind of kind of like a family relationship between the three of them, which I'm really looking forward. Space to. dads, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So those were some of the things that I really did enjoy about this episode, but there were some things that really just I didn't I didn't like, and the. One of them was like the major part of the whole episode, and that's uh, um, Book returning to his home planet and and dealing with his quote unquote brother uh, Kaim. I just fifteen years they loathed each other, wouldn't mm-hmm. talk to each other because of the Emerald Chain, and then they were all set at the end of the episode. And I know what they did was big and important, but I just thought it was it was convenient. I don't know if that's <laughs> the right word or not, Casey. Yeah, oh, it was co- it was completely convenient. It was far too easy. From my thinking, this this seemed to be something where uh, I I hate convenience and um, oh god what's what's the other word I want to say here? Well, I'll, I'll come back to it. But it's like story wise, when things just fall in, where it's like oh it happens to be my brother, oh it happens to be this coincidence, that drives me nuts. Um, and like you're saying, 15 years, and then how many, maybe hours? Right. Book and Burnham are down right. there. It's I like, thought so. I don't buy that for a second. Yeah, it was, it was a little bit, I, I think it was a little weak uh, in, in terms of the development of the story. And Bill, the other thing that I thought was a little bit convenient was um, are there no other empaths on the planet to help with the locusts? Are they the only two? Are they the only two that could have done it? Had anybody ever tried to think about doing this before? I, I just didn't understand where that came from all of a sudden, at least for me. That's it. There's just, there's not enough backstory and exposition here to understand why it had to be book. Um, I, ultimately, I think it created some great drama. I didn't mind them coming together at the end because they had to have something to unite over. Okay, I get it. This is Star Trek. That's going to happen. But ultimately, it just wasn't enough. Um, it, it really, it missed something. And that's why I say it was, it kind of felt like a, a filler episode in one of the later TNG seasons. It was a story that was okay, but it wasn't enough to captivate me for the full 40 plus minutes or whatever it was. Um, I just, I think it needed, I think it needed a couple more revisions and probably some polish. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And one of the other things that I think needs polish, and I was really disappointed about this. This was, this was a big disappointment for me and I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. The Emerald Chain. And Osira. Yeah. Uh, Osira mm-hmm. was played by a Canadian actress. I did some research, Janet Kidder. And I won't say that she did a bad job, but I got to say, from the standpoint of watching the entire season, I expected whoever played Osira was going to be a gigantic name that was going to blow us all away. And that is no disrespect to Janet because she did what she was supposed to do for the character. But with all this lead up, I mean, I think, Bill, at one point you thought in your, in your long range scan that it might have been Giorgio's, uh, excuse me, Burnham's mother, which would have been one of those Thanks. holy yeah. bleep <laughs> moments. Yeah. That's okay. You're over. That's a, nobody blames you. Um, but, I blame you. <laughs> yeah, but but I, I, that was a letdown. 
And I really thought that the character of Osira herself was extremely predictable, twirling mustache, nothing to really jump out and and do anything to make me say, oh my God, this person is scaring the bejesus out of me. I, I'm of the opinion right now, and I could be wrong, and th- I, I should have used this for a long-range scam, but I'm not going to. I'm going to use it here in the discussion. I think that Osira is a bit of, if you'll pardon the, the modification, a green herring. I think we're supposed to believe she's the big bad. Mm. I don't think she's the big bad. I think bad. there's somebody above her. I, there's always somebody. There's, everyone has yeah. a manager. There's always a bigger yep. fish. <laughs> yeah. Every, everyone's got a manager. And I think that Osira has one. And I think that we're going to find out who it is. I thought it was Ooh. interesting also, Casey, and I like that point, Bill, and, and that'll be a good long—we'll we'll count it as a long-range scan, and I'll, I'll come back to that at some point during the season. But, Casey, I also thought that the reason why she was doing this was a little odd, maybe is the, is the, is the wrong word, but she was acting like this just because she wanted Rin back. Now, whether it's because he had so much information is maybe another story for another time, but— I thought it was just not something that really made me say, wow, this group of people is somebody that really needs to be feared in this section of the galaxy. Yeah. So, okay, they're they're running out of dilithium. Um, isn't everyone? Everybody? Yes. Thank so, you. So what? And it, yeah, I, I mean, when you just said, you know, twirling of the mustache, I had that too. It's like, Osira should have had a dog named Muttley next to her. That that was the type of villain. Exactly. Um and there, yeah, I'm hoping there is much more to the story than this, because if if he was the only one who knew this information, why wouldn't he just have killed him much earlier? Why would he be running the slaves at the planet where the book was? If right, he's that he could tell anybody so all important. the time, saying, "Hey, in right. case they kill me, pass this information along." Yeah, it, yeah, it didn't make sense to me, Bill. I could agree with all of you guys. Uh, it's you said it all perfectly. I mean, it's just there's not enough there there, and that's really what this comes down to. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and another aspect of this episode, whether which was something that really just I, I didn't like. I just did not like it was the Giorgio aspect of the episode. I gotta I gotta say mm. I love her. I, I just absolutely adore the work that is being done with this character but i'm getting tired of this routine every single time we see her on screen she is insulting she's she's being you know she's trying to she's bullying she and i understand she's from the mirror universe and as a mirror universe fan okay i get it it's getting boring for me right now at least anyway um we're 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 seeing more visions of what happened to her in the mirror universe. And I think we're going to see that in its full, in some full episode at some point. Um, and Casey, what I think is happening because we've seen her have these, these episodes and we see her, her, like her entire body, like spiking, I guess is the only way I can really put it. Um, just like kind of distorting. I think this is going to be really strange. I don't even know if I could be way out in left field, but I think because she is of the mirror universe and is in our universe, her molecules are screwed up. Because she's mm-hmm. in a different time than she's supposed to be, her molecules are even more screwed up. So she's got a twofer going on while everybody else is only dealing with one thing, and that's jumping to the future. I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I think that has something to do with what her problem is. And I think that's how they may try to figure out how to get the character back to the normal time frame of season one and two discovery, because supposedly there's supposed to be a section 31 show starring her. So I don't know. What do you think? Well, yeah, I've been hearing different things about that show actually happening or not happening. But I mean, to go to the the first part of your point, um, there was this snark fest in this episode for me was a bore fest. Osira and Giorgio, both of them together kind of took away any specialness of the other. And like you're right, so far, Giorgio, this season has been really one-dimensional. Right. Absolutely. And for, you know, having such a good actor in that role is, let's, let's see some, some difference here. And it gets to the point now where it's almost, this dog right now is all bark. We're not seeing yeah. the bite. I want to see true. the bite. 
Yeah, and, and like I said, love Michelle Yeoh. Absolutely love her. She's great in everything she does, and we were so excited to see her in the first episode of Discovery and then get killed. So, But then we got to get her back. Everybody's happy. I just think they could be doing more with her character right now than just having her throw insults and threats to Dr. Culber, who's only trying to do his job and help her, Bill. No, I agree with you. I think that ultimately they're going to wind up sending her back to the Mirror Universe. I This was my long-range scan, but I'm going to dump it here, and I'm going to drop another long-range scan later on. Ooh. I don't think there's going to be a Section 31 series. There's no PR site. There's no announcements. Filming hasn't started. There's uh, no casting. Um, so I, I don't think that we're going to see a section 31 series. I could be wrong. I could be 100% way off base, but if without all of that, there's really no reason to send Giorgio back to the 23rd century. So I think that they could wind up sending her back to the mirror universe for all we know. It, it will be mm. interesting to see what happens. I, I know they're going to be dealing with with what happens in the preview for this week. Obviously something's going to be going on so that they can try to help her to cure her. I just hope that whatever happens, if we do continue to see uh, her on Discovery Season 3, that she needs an attitude change. I'm just going to put it right out there. Universe, Empress, Mirror Universe or not, she needs a good, you know, you know, talking to. <laughs> well, right. I think this situation could give her some humility, which she's always lacked being yeah, from I the Mirror Universe. Yeah, I think that's right. Absolutely. It's not going to be a sea change. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not going to change her overnight. But perhaps she'll start to see things a little differently and realize that she has to give along to get along. Yeah, I I can understand, Casey, that, you know, she was empress. She had to always be watching out, watching behind her back at all times because people were always trying to kill her. But she has been shown more than once that she has people on this ship that want to help her. And are not doing it for any other reason than that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And she just won't, she won't accept it. I, I, I think this is where a little bit of a fail, failure of writing is happening. It's like, what, what has this character had to do so far this season? I mean, she comes in, creates an awesome bar fight, and then what, you know, strolls the halls with Linus, and what? Right. I, I mean, really. So I, I'm, I'm hoping they get a lot more stuff for her to sink her teeth into and and do, not talk about, do. Well, we shall see. Another great discussion, guys. Loved it. Folks, we want to take a moment to thank uh, Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Fansets has been hard to, at work to release a whole bunch of new pins just in time for the holiday season with hundreds of I mean, literally, hundreds of pins available for all kinds of genres. It might be hard to decide what to get someone, but do not worry. You can always get them a Fansets gift card and let them decide. You know, December always brings great new releases from Fansets, but then again, what month doesn't? Am I right? Right. Right now, you can head over to Fansets and add the following pins to your cool action. Boy, I didn't write this copy. (laughs) (laughs) There's the holiday... Diane. <laughs> There's the holiday 2020 pin fe- featuring Badgie wearing his Santa hat. There's seven of nine in her brown uniform. We've got a bearded Commander Riker from Next Gen. And then there's two different Badgie pins. There's one happy and one murderous, kind of like the look Dan has on his face right now. And then there's also the Cerritos ship pin, also from Lower Decks. Yes. And that's not all, folks. In a couple of weeks, the USS Cerritos bar logo pin was going to be available over at fansets.com. All awesome pins, Bill, of course. Uh, and on, on top of Star Trek pins, Fansets has just released their Batman 66 set of seven characters, which I know for a fact, Bill, you absolutely love. Yes. There's Batman, Robin, Batgirl, Catwoman, the Riddler, the Joker, and the Penguin, all available at a special price for the entire set. Plus, new accessories are now available, like the Fansets keychain, which lets you attach your favorite pin right to it. And as always, friends, we want you to save money at Fansets.com just for being a Discovering Trek listener. So when you've put all of those pins and accessories and gift cards into your cart, enter the special code word Discovering Trek at checkout. You do that and you're going to get an amazing 15% off your entire order. And don't forget, if you're in the United States and spend more than $30, you're going to get free shipping. Now this just in, Dan and Casey, I'm calling a crazy Ivan. We are going to give away some Fansets pins to some listeners. What? Yeah. Along with Fansets, we are giving away two classic Discovery Deltas 
to nice. Discovering Trek listeners. So all you have to do is retweet this week's episode, along with why you love Discovery, along with the hashtag FansetsDelta. And we're going to select a winner at random from all the retweets. Now, you will need a Twitter account, and you have until Saturday, December 12th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to get your retweets out. But you must use the hashtag in order to qualify. We'll select two winners at random to win the classic Discovery Delta from Fansets, like I hold here in my hot little hands. Beautiful. No, it's beautiful. Oh, it, it's amazing. And remember, this is a pin. It's not a cosplay piece. It's a collectible pin. But we're going to give two of them out this week. So get those retweets going, folks. So if you're doing a crazy Ivan, I got to ask, is it one ping or two pings per Oh, uh, it's one? one ping only. There only. you go. But two pins. There you go. Oh, see? Genius. Man. Fansets. Our pins have character, and we thank our friends at Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Well, Star Trek has always been a reflection of our times, and in this segment, as always, we take a look at what this episode helps us discover about humanity, or perhaps even what it tells us about ourselves. And this week, uh, I think I want to start with you, Bill. You always got some good topics here in humanity, so what do you got? Well, um, I'm going to get to my soapbox for a little bit here, and um, this is a long one, so strap in. I don't understand the people who say that Star Trek today is, quote, too woke, end quote. I mean, I hate using the term woke as an adjective because to me it's always been a verb of past tense, but grammar lesson aside, being woke is something that Star Trek has always been. In fact, Star Trek, truth be told, kind of wrote the book on being woke for television shows all the way back in the 1960s. The kinds of issues that Star Trek dealt with half a century ago were different. Life was different. Society was different. And so were the things that plagued it. For its time, Star Trek took the social injustices and political situations of the day and transposed them into a science fiction television show. The Star Trek of today does exactly the same thing. Times and people are different, as is the society we live in. So when I see people saying that today's Star Trek is too woke, I I have to wonder exactly what the hell they're watching, and, and more importantly, why they bother to watch it. I'll say this, and I'll say it plainly. They are wrong. The world needs to be more woke. We need to respect the existence of individuals, period. We need to respect the preferences of individuals, period. It doesn't matter if you understand the why or the how. The fact is, it's not for any of us to challenge the way another person presents themselves or the designated pronouns they prefer. This week, what seems like a small moment is so large in the scope of Star Trek. Adira tells Stamets that they is their preferred pronoun, and Stamets is completely cool with it. It's a non-event. He doesn't ask questions. He doesn't protest. He doesn't try to talk Adira out of it. He accepts the correction and moves on. It was beautifully portrayed and perfectly presented. Now, it's obviously dangerous territory anytime a cisgendered, heterosexual white male like myself takes on these topics. It's obviously not my area of expertise, and I'm certainly not represented by what's displayed. However, as a human being, and an ally who truly believes in infinite diversity and infinite combinations, I believe that my knowledge and my understanding is the key to society advancing maybe just a little bit more than it did the day before. Perhaps that will help somebody else understand. I just wish some people weren't so trapped in the past by their own choosing. Uh, I got to say, Bill, that is my favorite segment uh, since we started doing Discovering Trek. Bravo, man. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank you. This week was difficult for me to really come up with something related to our humanity. And I guess the closest thing that I would or that I could come up with is how much Dr. Culber impresses me with his desire to want to heal. He is the truest definition of a healthcare worker that is driven by wanting to help. Philippa is being a complete and utter pain in the butt with Culber, and he only wants to help her. We have so many people like that currently with what's going on with the pandemic. Even with people saying it's fake or not as dangerous as it really and truly is, they're there to fight the disease and help save lives. But unfortunately, not everyone is like Culber. 
And unfortunately, I was reminded of that this past holiday week when a healthcare professional didn't divulge that he had been in contact with someone who had tested positive until after Thanksgiving, knowing it ahead of time. That put people, including me and those I love, into a worrisome and potentially dangerous situation because I had an appointment with him on the Wednesday before the holiday. I look at Star Trek and so much good, and then I'm reminded of how much further we have to go today. If you're a healer, it shouldn't be a second thought to make sure your patients are as safe as possible and that you want them to stay safe. And for me, Culber shows me what it means to be a real healer, even though we're surrounded with them every day in real life, Casey. Absolutely, my friend. Now, this week, that the things that just kept coming back to me in this episode for and with humanity is change. And that change is inevitable, and it keeps us from stagnating. Um, some people embrace change. Some people are threatened by it. Some people are ambivalent to it. But really, none of that matters at all because change happens all the time. And honestly, we have no control over it. Change brings forth new thinking, or it can, new possibilities, new futures. Is anyone really clamoring for the telegraph to make a roaring comeback? I don't think so. So relationships to people, events, objects, nature, change and add new perspectives. New things are born out of change that has to happen every single day. We can change ourselves, become more than what we are at this particular moment. We saw a change in some characters in the show this week, and I think all of us are dealing with changes every single day that we can face or not face. Commendations, palm leaf of Axanar Peace Mission, Grand Kite Order of Tactics, Class of Excellence, Frenteris Ribbon of Commendation. All right, people, time for some awards. Starfleet Commendations time. They're, they mean nothing. Nobody really gets anything, but it's still fun, and we do it every week, and we're going to keep doing it. Um, so we're going to talk about what we liked and what we would give these commendations to if they really existed. Anyway, um, my first one for this week, got to give a commendation to Jonathan Frakes. Uh, in an episode that really did nothing for me, his direction is, as always, superb, and I really think he is the best Trek director to ever be behind the camera. There are tons of awesome Star Trek directors, but he is just on a level, I think, that is just uh, of itself just amazing. Um, and this one is this one's interesting. Even though there wasn't a lot going on, I got to give a commendation to Doug Jones because it seems that I do almost every single week, first <laughs> of all. Um, this is the captain I have longed to see in Star Trek Discovery. Doug is so amazing in this role. His humor in this week's episode... Um, with the different attempts to come up with a tagline for his orders, was awesome. And it was what was needed for this episode to not be completely stale for me. That humor and the way that, that Doug portrayed it as Saru was something that was was really special to watch for me. And my last commendation I have to give to Blue Del Barrio um, for the scenes um, that they had with with um, uh, Stamets, uh, with, with Anthony and... Um, it just was so great to finally see this coming out that we knew was coming. Um, and it was done in a way that was beautiful and respectful. And I have a whole new level of love uh, for Blue for what they're doing in this role. Bill? Well, thanks, Dan. I'm I, Actually, I give commendations to a couple of scenes and then a person. So a slightly uh, different format for me this week. First up, I got to say the scene with Rin and Tilly and Saru in the captain's ready room where Tilly tells Rin to respect the rank. I love that scene. Uh, Tilly is performing really well in the role of first officer here, and she pulls a Riker. That's something Will Riker would do, hands down. Um, my next commendation goes out to the scenes with Adira and Stamets and also the scenes with Adira, Stamets and Culber. Great, great character work here. Uh, and these scenes were the gems in an otherwise borderline episode. When people talk about the episode, the sanctuary, they're going to talk about these scenes and rightfully so. And then lastly, I'm going to give my last commendation to Noah Averback Katz. What a great job he is doing, redefining Andorians in the 32nd century. And I love what he's doing. Plus, he's popped up on a lot of Star Trek podcasts lately, including one of my favorites, Trek Profiles. And uh, it's nice to know that 
a true Trekkie is, is working in discovery yeah. and, um, and helping to round out the Andorians of the future. I think it's awesome. One of the things that I love so much about that character and what he's doing as a Star Trek fan and actor is he tweeted out earlier this week about how much he respects and thanked Jeffrey Combs yeah. for his portrayal mm-hmm. of Shran in Enterprise or Shran. And I think that was great. It's so good to see Star Trek fans writing the show, directing the show, um, acting in the show. It it really just makes my heart sing, Casey. Sorry to take your time away there. No, no worries, my friend. I, I kind of did the same thing with Bill. And to not just go over the stuff you guys did, um, Emily Emily Coots, yeah, the portrayal of Detmer, right? I, I loved I loved that. It was just thank you, thank you for for getting that confidence back into that character, and and portraying it. And it's like, oh, I was that was so fulfilling of, of a scene, and then. I like the little moments, commendations for the little moments that made it in this episode, made it bearable for me. Uh, Burnham stating, you know, until an hour ago, I didn't even know you had a brother. And I love that because I just kind of with everybody talking about, you know, Spock had a sister. What? I felt that was pretty funny there. Um, The Adira and Sam scenes, of course, you guys already talked about them. Um, And yeah, definitely showing Tilly growing into the role of being a really good uh, executive officer. I mean, I, I get a feeling from Tilly that of not just that role, but being protective of Saru and the rela- the professional relationship that they're building. I really enjoyed that quite a bit this week. Long range scan of planet complete. All right, folks, every episode we take a good look into the Bajoran Orb of Prophecy to try and determine what the future will hold for the crew of the USS Discovery. We're usually wrong almost all the time, 99.995875% of the time, but every now and then we get one right. Um, So what's next for Discovery, people? And uh, Bill, what do you think, man? I know you've already given two, actually, today, but this is the time for the real one, right? I'm going to pull my second crazy Ivan of the show, <laughs> and I'm going to totally pull this out of my hat. So we talked a little bit about Osira earlier and how I think that she's a green herring. I don't think she's the big bad. Dan, in a past long-range scan, you said that you think Vance could be a bad Merle. I'm going to double down on that and say Vance is the Emerald Chain. We've heard that the big bad this season is going to be somebody we recognize. It's going to be a character that's familiar to us. They didn't say when that character would have been familiar. So I'm going to say it's that Osira reports to Vance. And Vance is working the Emerald Chain on the down low. uh, And I think that trope is going to get employed. Could be wrong. That's just the sense I get today. God, I hope not, because I love that guy. (laughs) I really hope it isn't him. Odette Fair is such a great villain in other things, though, too. I know, mm-hmm. but he's so good to not be the villain right now like he is. I know. Starfleet together. I know. So we'll see. For me, you know, the ship in the center of the burn, a lot of questions. Here's my take. That ship is the discovery that we saw in the Short Treks episode from even more in the future than we're seeing right now. Hmm. I don't know how. I don't know why. But discovery is the reason for the burn, Casey. Dang. Well, I, I don't have anything that deep. Uh, I, I think Kahim is going to return at some point to help in, uh, help the Federation beat the Emerald Chain. That's, that's the only thing I could pull from this episode, thinking of the future. So Casey, you're gonna be we're gonna be returning, uh, welcoming Sarah back next week, and you'll be taking a week off, and and it, it's it's part one of a two parter next week. So what's gonna be going on in episode nine? Oh man, next week the USS Discovery crew journey to a mysterious planet in hopes of finding a cure for Giorgio's deteriorating condition. Stamets and Adira make a stunning breakthrough with the newly acquired burn data. It's Star Trek Discovery, Season 3, Episode 9, Terra Firma, Part 1. Until then, remember that you can subscribe to Discovering Trek by searching for us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or by heading to discoveringtrek.com. 
If you enjoy what we're doing here on Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network, please consider supporting us on Patreon. As a subscriber, you can get access to unedited recordings of episodes, as well as exclusive content and great subscriber rewards like our annual supporters pins from Fansets and our exclusive Trek Geeks Podcast Network t-shirt, among other things. We'd like to take a moment to recognize the following amazing producers of Discovering Trek, and we are so, so truly grateful for their support. Mike Bovia, Chaz Bradshaw, Ken Bird, Kyle Castillo, Peter Craig, Craig Ewing, Al Godwin, Jackie and Chris Hackney, Kimberly Hartman, David Hood, Tony Lambast, Leonel Marchand, Matt McGonigal, Jim McMahon, Charlie Mulvey, Sean O'Halloran, Jamie Rogers, Chris Trebuzio, Ken Tripp, Christina Werther, and the lovely and talented Jess Fashon. If you would like to become a producer of Discovering Trek or even get access to the raw audio for Discovering Trek episodes, head on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks for all the details. Guys, as always, a fantastic discussion this week uh, with uh, the episode The Sanctuary. Uh, Casey, where can people find you online, my friend? Oh, well, this week it would be fansets.com because I have (laughs) been buying a load of stuff, baby. Uh, Otherwise, Twitter, Casey Shafsky, and I will be lurking in Camp Kittimer this week. Oh, a, a, a Camp Kittimer lurker. We should make an adjective out of that. Bill, where can we find you, buddy? Uh, on the tweets machine, you can find me at Trek Geek Bill. Of course, I'm always on Camp Kittimer. And don't forget about the Fansets Delta giveaway for the classic Discovery Delta. Retweet this week's episode with hashtag Fansets Delta, and you'll be entered to win one of two of the classic Discovery Delta pins from Fansets. Absolutely beautiful pin. That's hashtag Fansets Delta. Uh, you can find me at Trek Geek Dan over on Twitter. I'm also in Camp Kittimer all the time, uh, and we hope you'll come join us over there. Uh, that does it for this week in our discussion of Episode 8, The Sanctuary. For all three of us, it wasn't our favorite episode of the season, but it was still great discussion. Just absolutely love having these discussions with you guys. And as always, we want to thank you, the listeners, for taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to us talk about this amazing new chapter in the Star Trek universe each and every week. We wouldn't be here without your support, and we thank you so very much. We'll be back next week to discuss Terra Firma Part 1, and we hope you'll join us. Until then... Here are some words of wisdom from Commander Michael Burnham. The real world doesn't always adhere to logic. Sometimes down is up, sometimes up is down. Sometimes when you're lost, you're found. And until next week, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at 5yearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.